Monday, Monday, April 22. This is On The Mark. Yes, you're going to get this podcast every Monday from now on. And I've got a new special talent, Ashley this was your idea, was it not every Monday? Aren't you like, you're, you're like podcast expert on to take on the mark to the next level. It's a hell of a compliment, Mark. Uh, not a morning person. Mondays aren't my favorite, but I am hype to be sitting next to you right now recording this podcast. I mean, this is a big moment for you. I think this is monumental. This is like the biggest moment of your career. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Maybe, uh, maybe my career too. By the way, uh, did we mention who's on the show today? Did I say that? Let me just remind you, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Marquise Brown, all... Big time names going in the NFL draft coming up here. They will all be on the podcast today. Bosa, Allen, Brown. We're going to lead off with Josh Allen in about five minutes here. Uh, Are you excited for the NFL draft? I am excited. Really? But, well, it's an event. It's fun. I think it's exciting to see these players get up on stage. They're young. They're full of promise. They're excited to be there. It's very charming. And they don't, also, I have strong feelings about athletes not be, collegiate athletes not being paid. And these players have worked their entire life to get to that point, and they're finally getting that paycheck. Right, but we're just missing the, the bling here. Kyle, I mean, Kyler Murray. There's the, no stories. There's no, it's, I'd rather talk about the NBA playoffs. Oh, well, we're going to get to sure. that, too. But, uh, but the point is that uh, those, these guys are awesome. You should listen to them, especially Josh Allen. If you uh, hang for, for anything today, hang for Josh Allen. Tremendous story. Started in New Jersey, uh, moved to Alabama, picked on uh, the whole thing, discounted, two-star, nobody liked him, had basically one of his college coaches went to bat for him, somehow, someway got him to Kentucky, and now he's going to be a top six pick in the draft. He's the most humble kid that uh, you could find. I really enjoyed talking to him. So Josh Allen coming up. NBA playoffs, a moment, 30 seconds of silence, even though I'm going to talk, for Russell Westbrook, who I love, who has entertained Thunder fans, NBA fans, but I've been waiting for the time where there's no way you can play basketball like Russell Westbrook does and have it last forever. Guards get old. And Russell Westbrook last night in the third quarter looked like he was 46 years old. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, okay, I've been waiting for this, and now it's there. You can't get in the paint. He drove three times in the second half where he actually shot the basketball. 0 for 3, didn't make any. Afterwards, he's defending himself, saying, I can get to in the paint anytime I want, but, some, but I make the right play. No, dude, when you're down like they were, you're going to score, and then you're going to score again and again and again. And everyone knows that. Uh, and they were giving him the jump shot, and he wasn't making it, which is... You know, he's been like that his whole career. Well, it's hard to watch someone who they're no he's notorious for like being chippy and having this attitude and this swagger to him. So when he doesn't have the game to back it up, it's kind of embarrassing to watch that and to watch him deteriorate and start to turn the other way. You can't trash talk the way he does if you don't have the game to back it up. Right. And I don't know where the Thunder go from here. I mean, I think they go right back to where they are, which is a team that competes and could be the eight seed, could be the five seed, gets in the playoffs and loses. I mean, Paul George has got all the kinetic tape all over himself, so he's not. I mean, maybe he comes back a little bit more healthy next year. I don't know, but uh, well, so you're a Bulls guy. Would I, you rather suffer through a Bulls season with the promise of like maybe getting a draft pick, or constantly be kind of in the middle there and never really suck, but never do well? I, I enjoyed when the Bulls were in the middle. I enjoyed when Derrick Rose and they were. I mean, they were they were at the top of the middle. They were they could get to the 
Eastern so Conference. So like on your power rankings, you're okay with like top middle, but top. that like mediocre middle isn't quite cutting it for you. You go to the Eastern Conference Finals, that's a good season. You you go you you get into the second round mm-hmm. and you're like the last time they were top middle. They get in the second round, Derrick Rose hits a shot, they're up two games to one in the series. I'll take that. They lost three in a row. Tibbs got fired. By the way, listen to the Tom Thibodeau podcast, the one prior Great to this one. Interview. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll take that. Go into the being an eight, seven, six seed, losing in the first round four games to one. I'd rather actually be where the Bulls are at. Uh, and I, I one bit of love for Portland. The Trailblazers playing without Yusuf Nurkic coming into the into the playoffs this year, 10 straight losses. Portland is impressive. And Charles Barkley has them winning the West. I think that's crazy. But they do have the best road. I mean, Houston and Golden State are going to beat themselves up. Basically, we're going to get the NBA Finals in the second round of the Western Conference. You know, that's what it's going to be. Who knows? I, they have a mindset about them, the Blazers, right now that's impressive. We're not going to talk to the referees. We're not going to talk to anyone. We're going to talk to ourselves. Dame, Damian Lillard. I love him. Right? I love him. He, love him. That dude, That that is a baller. Flat out. He's just fun to watch. Watch. I mean, I love the NBA for all the drama and all the chaos. And as a Sixers fan, this was a really fun weekend. It's getting a chippy, chippy series. But he's someone that if you just appreciate the game, he is so much fun to watch. Yeah, your Sixers are uh, making They're a res- making me a little nervous. I'm like, I feel like I'm like a mom, and I'm sending my kids out, and I'm like, just just come home when you're supposed to. Don't get in trouble. But I mean, Joel Embiid, love of my young life. Yeah, but he I, is so funny. You you enjoy Embiid? Oh my god, did, I love him. Yeah. Did you like the fart? That was <laughs> iconic. It was a trending moment on Twitter. And then you have this fight on the weekend where he just walks away and he's trolling the Warriors and Jimmy Butler's going out there and fighting for his team. I do, love it. Do you think it was him that farted? Because if you missed the video, they're all sitting on the bench. He's ending the bench. Oh no, my money's on Amir Johnson. He okay. was cool, calm, collected. He was too calm about it. Too calm on the end, trying okay. to keep a straight face. See, see, I think the best move is if you actually did it and then act like everybody else did. Did I ever tell you the story when I was in sixth grade? Please tell me. Enlighten me. I feel like this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, so we're at sixth grade as awkward, calm, wants all the girls to like him, none of the girls like him, wants to be popular, not popular. That's sad. Fringe popular, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, like, the, I'm like the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm, I'm still around, but I'm not doing anything. So we're sitting there like, end of the cafeteria bench every the whole the whole school is in there there's like some meeting about whatever it was and my buddy john gerstein right next to me rips a fart loud as can be the whole it reverberates on the thing i mean like the whole student and he jumps up off his seat and says carmen oh my god and like the whole world looked at me like I had done it. Now it's like sixth grade. I mean, I'm insecure now. I'm a sixth. Like my, it was unbelievable. People and hold so on I, to that. And so then I jumped up. I pinned it on him. But like literally, that's everyone, not a good look. Yeah. You just got to be the fall guy. You right. got to be the fall guy in that situation. Everybody thought it was me, except for Jill Nissen knew. She looked at Gerstein and she knew it was him. Did which, you fall in love after that? I was always into Jill. Jill Nissen didn't it didn't work out Jill, for me. Jill, if you're out there. You're too late. She's out there. She's <laughs> married and whatnot. Would uh, okay. I'm just kidding. It's right okay. On track, Jill. It's okay. I'm. I. Everything has worked out. I have a beautiful fiance who makes every day better for me. She no. never would have called you out like I, that. I never. I Mm-mm. no. She wouldn't have. Mm-mm. 
she would have been one of the women that didn't like me back then and would have run away from me a thousand percent. That kid is gross. Uh, should we get into our interviews right now? Should we keep it rolling? Let's keep let's let's go to the interviews, right? Let's go to the interview. You have some good interviews lined up. Have you uh, have you had fun in your 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 debut here? Do we do good? I loved it. I, I mean, I didn't think it was gonna take uh, alleyway excitement meets Sixers fart, but here we are. Alleyway, Sixers fart. And now our NFL draft. All right, he's uh, he's gonna be in the top six out of Kentucky. The all-time leader in sacks for the Kentucky Wildcats in the history of the school. I understand it's a basketball school, but that's still an impressive stat. Let's bring in our guy, not the quarterback, but the outside edge rusher coming into the NFL. Here is Josh Allen. An incredible career at Kentucky. He won the Chuck McNarrick Award which goes to the top defensive player, the Bronco Nagurski Award, which is the best defensive player in the NCAA SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Quite a career for you, Josh Allen. Congratulations. And uh, you got I would think you'd be pretty proud of where you've come from and where you ended up your college career. That's got to make you feel good. Yeah, it does. Uh, I had a great team. I had a great four years. We learned and we grew. You know, we grew together as a team, especially as people. And, you know, I'm just real glad that the season ended the way we wanted to. And plus, I thank my teammates for, for allowing me to accept those highly decorated awards. What was your favorite win in your career looking back? <sighs> we had so many. Uh, favorite one probably has to be Florida. This year, being Florida for the very first time in, you know, in so many years. So it definitely has to be Florida. Doing it on the road, too. Yeah, doing it on the road. And plus, I got the game winning sack. So it's a memory I'll never forget. Not a lot of people were paying attention to Kentucky football before you got there. I mean, I know it's a team effort, but it's got to make you feel good that you, you put the university back on the map. Yeah, it's, it's like once I think about it like that, you know, I'm real humble and real uh, blessed to have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, I just thank you to all the fans coming out and supported us this year and last year. Uh, but, yeah, we this program has grown, you know, a lot. You know, adding in new coaches and new players, and everybody just wanted to be great. And just me being a part of that, me being one of the pieces, it was just, you know, just one of it's just a great feeling overall. Did you get competitive all with the basketball team? Say, hey guys, we're we're creeping on you a little bit here. <laughs> no, I think they knew though. Uh, I think I definitely think they knew that we were coming up in the rankings. But you know, it's all love over here. You know, we try to support each other as much. As and they come to the game, we go to their game. So, you know, we try to keep it as, as much as uh, as family-orientated as possible. But uh, I think they know. I think they're starting to figure out. If we have one more year, if we have another good year, which I think we are this year, I feel like yeah, we're going to have to change things around. Does Cal know who you are? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, I've met him numerous times, and he's just a wonderful person to be around. He's so cool, laid back. And he talks. He can talk. He talk to anybody in the world, and he's just a you know he's just a wonderful guy just to be around. Also, so I see why guys come to Kentucky to play basketball for him. Fair enough. Sorry, let's talk about this draft here. Most experts are considering you the top edge rusher coming in here. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you agree with that. Uh, yes, sir. Where do you think, think you're worst. going? Where do I think I'm going? I have no idea. You know, drafts can be a tricky, tricky time. You know, the trades and you know people not picking the right people. You know, so I'm just waiting for my phone call to ring, the important phone call to ring, and having my life changed for the rest of my life. Would you make you the number one pick? 
Oh yeah, of course. Who wouldn't want to be there? But I, you know, I feel like I worked extremely hard this year to be considered the number one pick. So you know, if you know if that happens, truly blessed. But if it doesn't, I'll see that team. You're working with J.C. Penny. What kind of suit are we uh, going with here? What's what's, what's going to be your lining on draft night? Oh, my line is going to be. It's going to have my son's full name, uh, Wesley Devon Allen, on the inside, and Pleasant on the bottom is going to have his uh, his birthday on it. And I'm so like blessed because he's my inspiration this whole year, and the, and he's the reason why I am the person I am today. Uh, so just having him on me, having him, you know, be there with me, and having him in my suit is just going to be a blessing. And having a son as young as you have, that changed your life, right? Yes, sir. You know, I had to change as a person to be a great father, and uh, and plus that just made me a better person off the field as well. Uh, you know, I've always been a good person, but it made me more accountable to myself for my, for my teammates accountable. So that's why I became the leader this year. Uh, you know, so I had to go as a man to become a man, so to say. Uh, it changed, changed the way I move, changed the way I talk, changed the way I interact with people as well. Yeah, you know, I love your journey, and you're talking about the way you talk now, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had, you had a stuttering problem when you were younger, and people maybe thought that you weren't as smart as others. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, 100%. Uh, you know, I worked extremely hard. You know, I knew I had a bad stutter problem growing up. Uh, so, you know, plus I wasn't in the classes that I, thought I wanted to be in. So I want to move so I can change that and I can compete and I can uh, challenge myself to be able to be in regular classes and to be making good grades and do everything that a normal child can do. And that's why I push myself to do, and that's why I move. What's your message to kids who maybe are put in a corner that they don't feel like they belong in? Just keep striving for greatness. They'll never, you know, you're going to have bad days. I trust believe I had bad days, but it's, it's the best day is the day afterwards. Uh, that's what I feel like. So, you know, that you might have a bad day, but the next couple of days you might have the best days of your life. So just, you know, keep pushing, keep working, keep grinding, because you never know when, that, when those good days are coming. Trust believe they're going to come. And did you know what you were doing when you switched from receiver to defensive end and transferred schools as a senior in high school? And most kids don't do that type of stuff. It's a big-time risk. Were you, did you have yeah. some grand plan in mind? No. I definitely I didn't even know I was going to play defensive end when I moved back home. Uh, I was going to just keep playing receiver and just, you know, stick with that. But Coach offered, you know, he asked me if I wanted to play defensive end. I just said, okay, whatever. And, you know, just did it as you know, what it was. Do you hold any you hold any grudges against Rutgers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's not a grudge anymore. It's more of a I got to think about it as another way. You know, I didn't really grudge for the longest, but I'm going to try to think of it as a blessing. How about that? Rutgers football should not be t- taking people like Josh Allen saying no, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're getting better, I guess, though. I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, but I was pissed, but I'm happy now. <laughs> I'm blessed. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, before you run, I want to ask you about uh, one of your teammates, Cash Daniel, who apparently is a two-sport yeah, athlete. He's also joining the one. fishing team. I mean, that's that's kind of an upper-level move right there to be a fish, fishing and football. You don't see that every day. Yeah, I know. Uh, I actually just got done talking to my client like, you know, like, right before I got on the phone. But, uh, yeah, Cash, I, when I saw that, I was – Surprised myself, but that means he we have all around great. He's a multi-sport athlete, you know, athlete, 
uh, collegiate athlete, uh, and that's what he loves to do. And I guess they gave him opportunity, the fishing team gave him opportunity to do it, you know, which is awesome. I wish, you know, Cal Perry could have reached out to, not could have been playing basketball or football, you know, but <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not hating. <laughs> but I'm glad uh, Cal's got the opportunity. Last one for you. What do you. What's the goals for your rookie season? Have you said any? Uh, well, overall goals, I, mean, I just want to be the best person out there. So I'm going to, you know, as many words as I can. But, you know, but another one thing that I want to do is earn the respect of all my teammates so we can play the best, so we can be great and be, you know, the team to win the Super Bowl. It's awesome. Josh, love your journey. Appreciate you sharing and looking forward to seeing you on draft night. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. See you soon. So there was Josh Allen, the man with the journey from two-star to probably top six in the NFL draft. Called me sir. Hey, Josh Hill, what's up with you, man? Our NFL draft guru slash NFL guru slash everything else. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. What do you think of uh, him calling me sir? The amount of respect that Josh Allen had for me. I thought that was big for me. Well, you got to respect your elders, right? So that's how it goes. <laughs> Good play. Way, way to play that one. What do, you, what do you think, Allen? Where's he going, Hill? I know you know all. Uh, well, he's definitely going to go in the top five because there's going to be a run on edge rushers in this draft. There's not a lot of skill position players. You know, usually you have a quarterback. Kyler Murray's going to get a lot of attention. So is Dwayne Haskins and uh, Drew Locke. But there's no running back. There's no wide receiver. There's no other skill position players that are really going to light things on fire. So the edge rushers are kind of going to be a premium. Those are guys that you need on a defense. Look at the last couple of Super Bowl champions. The Patriots have been able to put together defense with good edge rushers. The Eagles were able to get a lot of depth on the defensive line. So I think Josh Allen's going to fit somewhere definitely. I don't think the, I think the 49ers are going to go with Bosa. But if you look at the Giants or the Buccaneers or the Jets, those are teams that could take Josh Allen, and they're going to be really happy if they do. Would you take Bosa over Allen? Uh, I would just because it seems that he's graded out a lot better than Allen has, but and it's in the family blood. So there Joey is... Bosa, Nick Bosa, get them both on the West Coast. That'll right. be fun. Get the dad going on. Get Nick Bosa in San Francisco. That will be fun. What's up with that? So I subscribe to all of the drama that that will cause, but that's off the football field. Hates on Kaepernick. He loves Donald. Come on, Nick Bosa, what's going on? But then he also talks about how, you know, if, if the world was like a football locker room, we'd have a better place. Yeah, that's... And by the way, Nick Bosa coming up after I talk to you. Did yeah, it... so, yeah. Did you ask him anything about that? I was instructed to stay away from <laughs> such, such well, questions. Maybe we should, too. Maybe we should just talk about I, his football no, because he'd like that a lot more. That's actually not true. I did... I did I, 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 let me walk that back. I did ask him about what he meant mm-hmm. by the locker room. I didn't get into the Trump and the Kaepernick stuff. I felt like that would be... Yeah, but he's not the only Trump supporter in the NFL, so it's not like he's going to be a black sheep. He's gonna he's not going to stick out like a sore thumb. It's not like he's going to play basketball in California. He's going to play football. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, let me ask you a question: What excites you about this draft? Because uh, I'm bored, Hill. I'm not. Gonna, we're going to do a four hour draft show. I'm going to show all the excitement at Fansided on, on Thursday night. But getting ready to prep this draft, Kyler Murray might be the first round, might be number one overall. Yeah. Now people say he's not going to be number one. No, he might not be. Now right. the Cardinals might back down, which kind of seems like their plan all along. Like he took a top 10 quarterback last year in Josh Rosen. Why are you going to turn around and take a guy number one overall? It doesn't make any sense. Everybody should be fired if they do that. But the, They the, traded up to get Josh Rosen too. Like everybody forgets that. They traded up to get him, and now they're going to take another quarterback number one? I don't believe it. But Cliff Kingsbury has been recruiting him since he was six. They have a bond. It's, yeah. 
we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think they're going to stick with Rosen, but Kyler Murray is the most interesting thing about this draft because he's going to, it reminds me a lot of the 2011 or 2012 draft where you had Jake Locker and you had, uh, or was that the Jake Locker draft with uh, Blaine Gabbert and uh, Christian Ponder? Sure. Where you just had a ton of quarterbacks taken that shouldn't have been taken after a year in which you had quarterbacks taken that probably should have been. That feels so. like every year. No, because last year you had Baker and you had Sam Darnold and Rosen who didn't last play year was- well, but he's going to have a good future. And now you have teams this year who are panicking, who are saying, oh man, this is going to be a great quarterback class. And it does happen every year because we're going to do it again in 2020 when Tua comes out and Herbert comes out from uh, Oregon, and maybe the Fromm kid comes out from Georgia. So we're going to do it every single year, but I just don't think that the class is that great. I like that you're sticking with Josh Rosen. I like that you're... I stuck with... I said it on DraftNet, on the draft show last year. I said I, he's going to be the best quarterback of that class because he fell in the draft, there was a fire lit in his belly, and now, unexpectedly, the team that took him doesn't want him anymore. So whoever gets him... Could you imagine being Washington and getting Josh Rosen, and that guy has two fires raging inside of him? That's insane. Uh, yeah, but I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical on him. I'm skeptical on Josh Allen. I'm skeptical even on Sam Darnold. We'll see if, if this doesn't turn out to be like the washed quarterback class of all time. We still got so, we still got a couple of ways to go here. We do. I mean, nobody's putting them in Canton quite yet, but they were a lot more impressive last year than I think a lot of I, people expected I, them to be. I mean, overall, to how quarterbacks used to come into the league, they did fine. But to, to what quarterbacks do now, jumping right in, I, I would say it was mediocre. Um how many offensive linemen are we going to see in the first 15 picks? This is where I get bored, Hill. This is where everybody gets bored. But that's, that's the pillar of building a championship offense, is it not? Like, you take an offensive lineman, you get a guy like Quentin Nelson last year goes in the top 10. He actually he, excited me because he was like, this was, was the guy. He's, he's made good. it cool. He's made being an offensive yeah. lineman cool because he's pancaking guys and they're miking him up and he's talking trash. Like, in a way, he's made being an offensive lineman cool. I don't think it can be sustainable for all these other guys, but like Jawan Taylor, he could go to Jacksonville. They need to protect Nick Foles and whoever else they're going to get maybe to be the franchise quarterback moving forward there. So it's not the sexiest position in the world, but you, you usually feel good after you take an offensive lineman. Like, all right, fine. We didn't take a flashy right. player, but we maybe have somebody to protect a quarterback for the next five, ten years. We, we did the right thing. Do you know anything about Marquise Hollywood Brown who's coming up? Do you, I got him also. We got Bosa next and then Brown. What do you know about Marquise Hollywood? I, I want to educate you. I want to show you how much I know about the draft. That's yeah. why you listen to On the Mark. Why are you asking me what I think if you want to educate me? Well, I want to know if you know anything. What, what do you, what do you I got? I do know something about him. Um, I don't think... He's probably going to go in the back half of the first round, but he is the closest thing. DK Metcalf is a popular name because he yeah. had the insane combine and the man's like built like a brick house. But you know Hollywood Brown. He's also got Antonio Brown's his brother, so he's got that going for him. Cousin. Well, cousin, brother, they're related, right? So in, in the uh, family, I get it's it. It's all in the family, and but you have to wonder if you're going to get that drama coming. Eh. I don't know. That's that's the a, Antonio Brown factor. You're going to get the skill and the talent because we saw that at Oklahoma. Marquise so. tells me that Antonio's misunderstood. He's a, he's a calm guy. I think he is too, but I think he's just he's got a personality. The yeah. NFL should embrace it. He dyed his mustache blonde. How many people do that? Which, which nickname would you rather go with? Because he he's now he's Hollywood because he's from Hollywood, uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. But back in Hollywood, they called him the Jet. To me, like if like Hollywood, that that's more. You know, people could get confused. They, Hollywood, oh, you were out in Cali? No, I actually grew up in Florida. Then you got to explain that. The Jet, it, it, it's, it, it, you know what he is. He's fast. He's the man. He's, he's the Jet. Like Kenny the Jet? Like Kenny the Jet. I don't know. Hollywood's a lot cooler of a nickname because you don't have to clarify what Hollywood you're from. 
Hollywood Brown sounds really cool too. Doc Hollywood. How about I know the, you know about Doc Hollywood. How about just the fact that you got to stick with your first nickname? No, Hollywood Browns. That's a badass first name or nickname to have if you're an NFL player. Like, come on, you're Hollywood Brown, Baker Mayfield, the Hollywood Brown. I mean, he's not going to the Browns, but think about that. He, I, that'd be cool though if he did go to the Browns. He did. I mean, that would get, be. but little, they did play together. Right, so. a little little reunite. He yeah. said he, he, he's going to tell me that Baker Baker's awesome. Baker. Jets too generic. Don't go Jet. Anybody could be Jet. All right, fair enough. Hollywood, He's, you have kind of a glitz and a glam about that, but you have to live up to it. So then there's that. I, I'm all about just you got to dance with who brung you. You were raised as the Jet. <laughs> People start calling you Hollywood when you get to Oklahoma, and then you cave because of the Sooners and your bigger platform. No, man, this is where I grew up. I was the Jet. I want to be the Jet here. Have a backbone. Actually, the more I think about it, Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to fail in the NFL for lack of a backbone. <laughs> He's too small, and it's and if, if you're you you got to have that strength that inner that inner confidence and the fact that he wilted on the jet i wouldn't pick him i don't know i feel like hot take i feel like if the bears take him you're gonna have a different opinion of this but hollywood go hollywood go big or go home i will flip if he becomes a bear (laughs) all right let's move on here hill appreciate your time our nfl draft guru see you thursday night thank you thank you all right up next our guy sort of nick bosa as we continue on with our nfl draft preview here is nick bosa maybe going number two overall The Ohio State Buckeye, most expect him to go in the top three of this year's NFL draft. Nick Bosa, great to be with you. Before we talk football, did you cry when Tiger Woods won the Masters? Because your Twitter made it seem like you were having quite a day watching Tiger. (laughs) Yeah, that was a legendary moment. Um, I was just happy to be home watching it. Um, Definitely a tear to my eye, for sure. It It was pretty unbelievable. Do you have any golf talents? I think your dad wanted you to be a golfer back in the day. I think uh, any parent would prefer watching their kid uh, play golf instead of banging into other people. But um, no, I'm not the best golfer, but I'm I'm definitely trying to get into it. So you were seven years old, and you already wanted to, as you just put it, bang into people, and you also wanted to play defense. You're, I guess some coach told you, hey, go play offense. You're like, sir, sir, I, I, I'm Nick, I'm seven, and I, and I want to play defense. Do you remember that? I actually do remember it uh, faintly. Um, my mom tells me the story enough, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that uh, I just kind of knew instinctively, and it's worked out. So wanting to be like your dad, wanting to be like your brother? Yeah, I mean, obviously, grew up going to Dolphin games um, with my, well, my dad wasn't playing at the time, but um, just going to Dolphin games with him and having his football cards and whatever. Um, you look up to your dad and um, you just want to basically do everything that he does. And um, he played D-line, so I thought I'd be a good D-lineman. So that's kind of the image I saw myself as growing up. I mean, that's, that's kind of amazing that at seven years old you knew what you wanted to do. Uh, you have a quote here. I think 95% of playing football is preparation, and 5% is me as a 7-year-old. What do you mean by that? How does 7-year-old Nick still come out today? I think what I meant by that is that um, football is just a ton of practice, a ton of just honing your skills and getting reps and reps and reps so that um, when you're out on the field, you could literally just be that same kid and have the exact same type of 
um, rush and fun that you had as a seven-year-old playing. Um, so that's what makes it so awesome. All the all the hard work just pays off on game day, and and you're able to just have the fun that makes the game what it is. Yeah, how hard was it for you this year, knowing that you weren't going to get to play for a long time when you made the decision to rehab your body the way you did leaving school? Obviously, a decision that I was forced to make, and um, um, just getting the game taken away from you for a long period of time. I'm definitely itching to get back out there, and um, I'm excited for a big year ahead. Did Did you have to be talked into that? Um, I mean, when the best surgeon in the country tells you you're not going to play again this year, it's yeah, it's pretty um, pretty obvious that you're not going to play. So yeah, that, that kind of made the decision for me. Yep. Fair enough. You're uh, you're working with J.C. Penny today. The collection by Michael Strahan. What are you gonna look like uh, on on draft night here, Nick? I think I'm gonna look pretty good. I got my um, J.C. Penny suit by the collection by Michael Strahan, and um, it's all custom. It's gonna fit perfectly. And uh, the liner on the inside is a little um, a little homage to my alma mater, Ohio State, get the Buckeye in there. So um, it's going to be cool. I'm going to be flashing that around and hopefully be looking pretty darn good. Uh, I, I'm sure you will. Do, do you plan on being the uh, the best Bosa in your family on the football field? You mentioned your dad. Your brother's a fairly talented guy too. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be the best the best that I can be, and uh, we'll see on Sundays. I, I can I can see a smile going on right now, Nick. I think there's uh, some confidence there. Uh, is it correct that you were <laughs> you were bullied by your older brother, kind of in a brotherly way, and and I, when you were young, and maybe maybe that was uh, I don't know, help build some toughness. Yeah, I mean, if you have any little brother, I'll do the same thing. Um, they're probably talking because of what they went through from their older brother. Um, I mean, Joey was pretty mean, yeah, when we were kids. So he, uh, he definitely, uh, toughened me up. And, um, I think that kind of made me, made me who I am today. So even though it wasn't the great, the best experience back then, I got to thank him for it. Do you remember maybe the meanest thing he ever did? Um, I don't know if I want to go into details, but you definitely rough me around and I'd be crying to my mom every once in a while, that's for sure. It's all right. These things happen. Hey, uh, it's interesting. You played for the PPO Bengals when you were a kid, uh, coming out of your neighborhood to, uh, play for kids with different backgrounds at such a young age. That seems like that did a lot to sort of shape you into the guy you are today. Can you... And I, I've seen you say stuff like, if the whole world was like a, a football locker room, it'd be a better place. What do you mean by all that? Um, it's just, football just brings you together. It, it gives you a common, um, it gives you a common thing. Like, as a kid, maybe at home, at school, um, you're going through something different than somebody else. But once you get out on that field and you put the pads on and you're just having fun and the coaches are great, it's just, um, it's kind of an escape from reality. And uh, I think that, I mean, if the whole world just could 
experience that type of thing with other races and other backgrounds, then um, everybody would have just a better perspective and um, there wouldn't be as much prejudice and um, that type of thing. Yeah. So I think that was big for me, just coming from a pretty wealthy background, just going out and uh, um, becoming best friends with kids that um, came from different backgrounds. Most draft experts think you're going to end up in, in San Francisco and perhaps New York. Do, do you have a preference? Um, no, I don't. I really don't have a preference. Uh, um, I mean, I've had every visit I've been on. I went on five visits, and each each experience was amazing in its own way. And I mean that like each each um, trip I went on was really cool. So I think. All the top picks are pretty good spots. Do you have a sense where you're going? If you had to bet? Not even a clue. Okay. Uh, last Not one. Not even a clue. Yeah. If you were on an expansion team and 97's available, who's wearing that number, you or your brother? <laughs> That's a tough one. I think I might go back to 91 because when me and Joey played in high school together, he was 97 and I was 91, so... Um, I guess he claimed it first, so I got to give it to him. I should ask you about your body before you leave. How, how how are you feeling? And I know you've changed some of your training up to get yourself ready. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Um, I think a lot of the training I've been doing is just it's gonna translate to the football field, and I'm just excited to get out there and, and see see how I feel actually playing. All right, Nick. Appreciate the time. We look forward to seeing you on draft night. I know you're gonna look smooth. <laughs> Thanks, man. Marquise Hollywood Brown could be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. Marquise, do you think you will be? What do you think about that? I mean, God willing that I will be, you know, but whatever team takes me, I'm going to be grateful. What are you hearing from uh, different NFL draft people right now? You know, I'm hearing all, all good things. You know, everybody know what I could do. It's going to come down to the matter, you know, who really pulls the trigger and who takes that chance on me. You're working with J.C. Penny today. I want to hear about the lining on your sweet suit coming up here. But what went into the decision for you to come out after your junior year? Uh, it was it was a, a, a lot of factors, you know, family, and you know, after talking with my coaches here at Oklahoma, we felt that it was it was a good time, and, and you know, everything played out well, and you know, I'm, I'm still happy with my decision. Were you coming into your junior year thinking if I have a great season, I could go to the NFL after that? Honestly, I was not. But uh, towards the end of the year, you know, after, you know, talking with my coaches, it, it became, you know, a real possibility. Why do you think you were overlooked coming out of high school? Um, I mean, mainly because of my size. And then, you know, I, I was late taking my uh, ACT. Do you think that sort of helped motivate you to get to where you are today? Oh, yes, for sure. Definitely. And what would you say about being at the College of the Canyons? Explain that experience. Oh, man, it, it, it was an experience, you know, that I love. And, you know, just being out there and, and really experiencing things on my own, away from home, helped me become the person I am today. And you worked as perhaps the best operator in the history of Magic Mountain. Did, are you a big amusement ride guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy who gets on the rides, but I enjoy being around the kids and, and seeing the joy you know on their faces 
And when you started working there, they put you with the Bugs Bunny with the, with the little kids, right? That was first, and then you advanced to Magic Mountain. You were, you were moving up in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- didn't you have like a, a, a sort of a, sl- a little catchphrase that you would do before you pressed the button and set the riders on their way? Yeah, I mean, it was different things that, you know, the, uh, the older guys taught me different tricks just because you're doing the same thing all day, so you got to find some amusement out of it. And so how would you keep yourself entertained? Uh, you know, just playing with them, you know, like right before they take off. I say, oh, wait, the screw's loose, something <laughs> like that. And, you know, they, they take off real fast. <laughs> Didn't you have like a fake <laughs> countdown too? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did the fake countdown, you know. Everybody's ready when I get the one. And then, you know, they're like, what's going on? And then I let them go. So you kind of like messing around with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's this suit going to look like? What are you, you, you going to be rocking on draft night? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm partnering with the uh, collection by Michael Strahan and J.C. Penny. They let me bring my, you know, own personal style to the draft. Um, I chose the personalized aligner with my nickname in hometown, Hollywood. Because, you know, that's where I'm from. It's like, I'm like a pillar in my community. And I got a picture of myself inside inside of it. So, And and also a picture of my Oklahoma Sooners jersey to rep, you know, my, my school. So, you know, it's, it's important to me. And, you know, I'm glad they gave me this opportunity. Now, you grew up in Hollywood, but, bef- but there your nickname was Jet, correct? And then... You got on the big stage, yeah, and Gus Johnson and company started calling you Hollywood, and you've sort of taken that on. Yeah. Do you miss the Jet nickname? I mean, everybody, all my friends back home, my mom, they all call me Jet. I mean, that's been my nickname since you know I was nine years old, so I don't think that would be. Are Are you close with, with with your cousin, Antonio? Yes. What What advice has he given you? Uh, you know, just do everything. You know, stay positive and. I know it's a lot of stuff going on right now, but once I'm drafted, it's like you're hitting the ground running. So make sure, you know, I'm, I'm staying on top of everything and staying in shape and getting my foot right and just preparing, you know, like a pro. Is Antonio as wild as people think, or is he more kind of subdued when you're around him? Yeah, he's not wild when I'm around him. You know, he's really a motivator, and he only, you know, taught me the best. Do you think we'll see the uh, Hollywood personality in the pros? I mean, I mean, the only personality you could get is the one I had at Oklahoma. I mean, that's that's just me. Do you prefer playing uh, inside as a playmaker or or more outside as a field stretcher? Uh, both. You know, I like doing both. You know, I like being moved around, being able to stretch the field, being in the inside. You know, I like I like moving all over the field. Do you anticipate that that's probably how you'll be used? Kind of a dual threat you, that you can play both spots. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how's the foot? Foot is doing great. You know, it's uh, started back running, giving me a lot of confidence. You know, uh, looking forward to you know keep on with my rehab and getting back out there. Yeah, I, I saw you pushing some sleds. You, do you enjoy doing the the weight training? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That was my first time, you know, doing something like that. So it was a fun experience. And what do you say to the critics out there that say that uh, Hollywood's too small? He's not going to last in the league. I mean, I, I, I approach it how I did my whole life. You know, each level, you're going to have them say the same thing. Each level, you know, I'm going to keep proving them wrong. So it's not my job to speak back to them. It's my job, you know, to play football. Well, what was the best part about playing with Baker? 
Um, man, Baker, you know, really helped me become the player I am. You know, he pushed me, motivated me. You know, he set the standard, and that's just what we tried to do. You know, once he left, is to keep that standard up high. Would he get in your face in practice? Kind of challenge you? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, I, if I'm not bringing it in practice, he definitely gonna let me know about it. And you know, if I didn't fix it in that practice, he's gonna let me know about it after practice. So you know, he's definitely a guy who's gonna push. So you would call him a great leader? Oh, yes, for sure. Did, did that rub guys wrong at all? I mean, did some people not like it, but you did, or was that more kind of like universally respected? I mean, some people might not like it. You know, some people thought, you know, he was cocky, but I respected it because he'd been there, he'd done that. That's how I've been coached my whole life. It's, it's hard. So I love for people to push me. So you wouldn't mind a reunion in the NFL? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> All right. Great to talk to you, Marquise. Appreciate it. Congrats on your success and good luck on draft night. Thank you. There it was, Marquise Hollywood Brown. As we wrap up the podcast, we're going to call this final word. And uh, Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox was kicked out of a baseball game this week after he got plunked, didn't charge the mound, just made his way to first base gets kicked out. That was ridiculous. And then baseball suspended Tim Anderson for language, where apparently Tim Anderson, who is black, said to Brad Keller, the pitcher of the Kansas City Royals that hit him, who is white, he used the N-word. And that is something that baseball, Joe West was the umpire, didn't talk to the media after the game. Joe West didn't like that, reported it, and baseball decided to suspend Tim Anderson for one game. And Brad Keller got five games, which is always very interesting with a pitcher because you can just schedule it out, and it's really just one day. And so Anderson's penalty was equal to Brad Keller, who threw at him, basically. And Anderson, for the if people missed it, he threw his bat at the dugout celebrating a home run. He did nothing at Brad Keller. So... I want to talk about the N-word part of this conversation. And Josh Hill is still hanging out, Ashley hanging out as we get into this. For me, it's all about context. You are, he, that is not a word that he's using saying to him as in, in anything other than he's, it could be a 10 other words that people would use. It's not anything to do with his color. It's got nothing to do with anything, the fact that he just wants to hit that dude in the face and he's not going to for throwing at him. So he uses a word that is slang in, in his culture in the moment that really shouldn't be shocking or offensive to anyone. Now, I know that there's plenty of African-Americans who think that that word should never be used, and I wouldn't even disagree with that. However, in the context of that moment, let's, let's understand what's going on, have a slight... Uh, step out of your world and be like, oh, that's how he talks in that moment and what he meant by it. So he clearly should not have been suspended. Ashley, I know you have a lot of thoughts oh, about this. Oh, I have this. a lot of <laughs> thoughts on this. First of all, my first thought is it's three white people sitting around a table talking about this. And mm -hmm. my strongest thought is it is not my opinion to dictate whether a black person can use that word or not. Mm -hmm. It is not my place to say whether it's offensive. He meant it to be offensive. He used it as slang. It it's no slang. different than 8,000 right. other words yeah. like, right. yo, bro, like whatever. Like, we all have our choice words of mm -hmm. how to address someone in the heat of the moment. It so, could have been B. In addition to all these people getting like hung up on it who it shouldn't offend or it doesn't matter if yeah. it offends them or they're not in a place to say whether it offends them. You know, a couple of days prior, Kyle Schwarber on the Cubs across the other side of the city charges 
at the umpire, mm -hmm. runs down the field, broadcast doesn't even cut out in time, and you see him, may I? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and you see it. But he doesn't get suspended for language, mm -hmm. but a black man uses a word that only he is allowed to dictate whether it's offensive, gets suspended? Baseball, you suck. MLB uh, needs to figure their stuff out. That's the Schwarber thing is an, is a phenomenal point, and I thought that I actually thought he should have been suspended for that. You can't do that. You can't run at the umpire. Yeah. I've never been that scared watching baseball. No. You see, you know, people make plays in the NFL. Someone doesn't get up, and your heart sinks to see Kyle Schwarber storm at another grown man. That was hard to watch. I was nervous for a brief moment. I always, on that particular one, Javi Baez got in front of him. And I'm like, well, what exactly would you do if none of your teammates stopped you? Because I always think when people are running at him, you're expecting to be stopped and then you're going to act all mad, but you're not going to do anything. If, if somebody didn't get in his way, what was he going to do? Tackle whoever, I, I forget who the umpire was at third base, but, uh, you, you know... I think he eventually would have gotten control of himself, but I would have liked to have actually seen, okay, man, you're that pissed. Let's see what you're going to do. Hill, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, well, you talk about three white people talk, sitting around a table. That's what's going on right now. This. Joe West is at the bottom of that list of people that should be <laughs> dictating what people say. Like, come on. And Tim Anderson should have appealed the suspension. Because if he appeals the suspension, baseball has to explain to us exactly why it was wrong what he said. And then that opens up an entire can of worms that baseball doesn't want to have a conversation that they've been avoiding, which is how do they dictate player language? Because what Tim Anderson said was slang. It was him just in a moment doing his thing. When we have players who drop homophobic slurs and things, and what, this Tim Anderson suspension is what half as important as Every, name player X who has dropped a homophobic slur. Like, I mean, Daniel Murphy comes over to the Cubs last year, mm. and it's a huge controversy because he is, you know, has had homophobic tendencies in the past. So are we comparing these two situations? I don't think you can, but baseball is by suspending him. It's, it's wrong. It, it's interesting, uh, that your angle on that he should have appealed and why. Tim, is, I... I know Tim Anderson fairly well. I've been covering the White Sox now for a couple of years. Tim Anderson's one of my favorite people in that clubhouse. I, the guy is, yeah. all, he's uh, for the media, nobody cares about this, but A, he's always available. B, he's just this like good, solid, nice guy. And then on the field, he's an incredible competitor. Dude mm -hmm. wants to be as great as he possibly could be. They didn't think he could play shortstop. He proved to him that he did. He was thrilled that Manny Machado didn't come to the White Sox. Forget Machado. Go, let him go to San Diego. I want to play you know, my position. All, I, I loved all of it. And then, but he also was bothered by the amount of attention that it was getting. And he just wanted to move on. I'll just take this like it's a day off, uh, and, and no, I just, I'm, I'm just moving forward. I'm just moving forward. I'm just moving forward. So for him, he was, I think he was just taking care of himself. There's enough attention on him. But to what you're talking about, Hill, to actually, he had an opportunity to put more of a spotlight on this. Yeah. And he, he didn't want to do that. It, so I would actually, I hadn't thought about it, but that is a missed opportunity. Well, and Adam Jones talked about this too. He was like, what should the, go ask the players how they felt. Don't ask Joe West. Who, what he thinks. Crusty yeah. old white guy umpire, what he thinks about that word being used. Ask the players on the field. Mm -hmm. Ask his teammates. Was anybody offended or was it just him? No, of, like, of, come on. Of course not. And Brad Keller wasn't offended. And Dale Swaim, the Royals no. bench coach who went nuts along with Cal Edrich who was out of his mind too. And Ricky Renteria was going crazy too. None of that had anything to do with what Tim Anderson said. No. It, so... <clears throat> And part of this makes me feel like baseball is doing this to say, oh, we don't want anybody saying this word. 
which is them saying we don't want you know Josh Hader on Twitter saying this word 10 years ago. And it's like, no, don't police some of your players because the white guys don't well, know how Kim, to act. Like, and that's the yeah. traditional baseball thing. Like, baseball has a very nasty history with this. And this is just a reminder that we haven't really come that far, and it's really depressing. Well, should we allow, if they're going to have, uh, if, if the white guys can't say that word, then we can't let the black guys say it either. There shouldn't be a double standard, right? You're absolutely right, Joe West. Well, okay, then let's, well, we got to suspend that uh, fine African-American gentleman. I mean, is that how that went down I pretty much? I think that was a snippet of the meeting. I thought that Joe Torrey was in the room with us right now. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Well, if we can't say it anymore, then he can't say it. Okay. It's uh, ridiculous. It's but, stupid. It's and stupid. It, it's stupid. And it, it takes away from the conversation of the bat flip, which everybody mm-hmm. said. So we have a two-pronged issue here. We have baseball saying the bat flip was wrong, which is kind of also goes into the suspension, which is even weirder because they're like, oh, it's because of what he said. It's like the, if they would have said it was because of the bat flip, then this is a different conversation. So baseball is actively trying not to be fun. And in that, they are doing something incredibly weird and wrong by saying Tim Anderson saying this word and not embracing... You know, baseball is a predominantly black sport. Like, what are we going to do here? Like, come on, baseball. Well, they're they're also actively trying to not use common sense. Like, it's <laughs> well, that's nothing new. Like, I mean, yeah. You know, it just just use some common sense. Ashley, any wrap up here before we say goodbye? Yeah. Uh, silver lining. I was really impressed with everyone. The outpouring of support from mm. other black players in baseball. Just the common sense. I'm pro bat flip for the record. Oh, yeah. I want that out there. Make, like you said, make baseball fun. You watch the tape from that game, the seats are empty. Granted, it was, you know, White Sox, Royals, but the seats are empty and people aren't going to the games. They're leaving in the sixth inning. Why are you actively trying to make this an issue? Along that silver lining, Marcus Stroman, who had a mm-hmm. brawl on the field or a moment on the field, I should say, with Tim Anderson, he comes out on Instagram, supports him. And then before even the suspension, Trevor Bauer of the Indians, he had some great stuff on MLB radio talking about I absolutely have no problem with what Tim Anderson did. It's hard to hit a home run. He hit a home run. He didn't point, He didn't come at me. He was just enjoying the moment. So it's actually across baseball, outside of you, Ned Yost, and the Royals are just kind of really a pain in the ass in so many ways. Uh, there's, there's actually a solid movement for uh, acting the way he did. Although, let me throw one caveat before we go. Would you want... Hill, I'm sure someday you'll be a proud father, and Ashley, someday you'll be a proud mom. Would you want your kid, seven-year-old kid, watching Tim Anderson, loves him, he's playing in Little League, he hits a home run, and he flips his bat at the dugout, screams at his teammates, and then runs around the field with that? Because they are role models. I refuse to – I'm not taking that off the table. I don't think anybody wants me to. So putting on my mom hat for half a second here, which I hope I don't wear for another 20 years, (laughs) but – I think that that's something I would explain to them. These players have worked their entire life to play at this level, and that's a privilege Mm. that is earned once you play on that level of a stage. You're throwing your aluminum bat and t-ball because you hit it in the outfield and the right center fielder couldn't catch it. Like You don't get to flip your bat. You hit a home run off an MLB pitcher. You celebrate the way you want. And these people are spending hard-earned money to be entertained. (laughs) Like Flip the bat. 
Okay. So, okay. That's have, my thing. T-ball, no, none of that doesn't count. You can do that. How about in high school? It. Can you do it in high school? No, no. no. But how about, you have acne still? No. Like okay. you gotta earn that privilege. <laughs> yeah. Again, playing like for the township in your high school, no way. Earn the privilege, but I'm all for the enthusiasm. Like, let's not. It doesn't have to be a bat flip, but I want my kid to be enthusiastic about whatever he or she did in whatever they're doing. So like, it doesn't have true. to be the flip. We can build to the flip, <laughs> but like have a base level of enthusiasm that we can then one day get to the bat flip. So I you're saying, that. if I'm hearing that right, hit the ball, run around the base, but when you come in the dugout, have fun with your, with your friends. Yeah. Is, is that fun. Fun? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. we did that like middle school, high school, you hit a home run, you're getting met. Like they meet you at the plate. Mm-hmm. You get to celebrate. Yeah. I go out, I watch my niece play basketball. She's 12. I go out and watch my fiance, her nephews are six and three. I watch a six-year-old play basketball. These kids are hitting shots, and they're acting like they're in the NBA. And it is, I can't what watch What do they it. do? Like put their three goggles on? Yeah. Or? Did they, you ever pretend they, that they did do, you ever hit a shot? Feed, they do, oh, the, the, they do the feed me. Zeke. They do, they hit their, their hips. Like, six-year-olds. Yes. That's kind of cute. That is I feel like there's a, there's a gap here. It's like both ends of the spectrum. If a six-year-old is like running down the court with like three, <laughs> three. dragging it behind them. Did you ever pretend please. you were Michael Jordan after you hit oh, a shot? Oh, I'm sure there's video of you doing that. As uh, a small child? Because it's the same thing. They're, 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 <laughs> yeah, in the backyard by myself. And maybe if I hit like a three in a like a junior high thing, I would I would kind of try to run back like there a like backpedal. It counts. But not the, it's once you lose the cute factor, you can't do it anymore. Up until you play in the pros. <laughs> so I the, think that's my guideline for my threshold. kids. Like one day I'm gonna sit my kids down and be like, "This was cute when you were four, but you're eight now, and we need to stop. You <laughs> need to act like you've been there before." Dial it back a little bit. That's a lot of nuance right there. All right, uh, thank you for checking out on the mark. Appreciate it, Josh. I appreciate you, Ashley. Thank you. With you every Monday, and thanks to our guests today, Josh Allen, Hollywood Brown, and Nick Bosa. Enjoy the NFL draft. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.